Silence. It does the soul well. <laughs> that right there, that's... Bing. Bing. Uh, not silence. That's the opposite of silence. That is the opposite of silence. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Nice Rod Serling. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, that's, I still don't know who Rod Serling is. No! What are you... I already are forgot. You? Twilight Zone? Yes! Okay. All right. I got oh, it. Oh, my god. I remember you had to teach me about that last time I did that voice. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, you really should know the people who you're impersonating. Yeah. I, I, it was just a voice that came off the top of my brain to the tip of my tongue. Uh, shows you the power of the Twilight Zone, really. I I don't know that I've ever seen an episode of the old Twilight Zone. Dude. To be frank. You got to sit down and watch rot. it. It's great. It's awesome. So there you go. But I have seen Black Mirror. Some of it. A little bit. Doesn't count. I haven't seen the new Twilight Zone. Doesn't count. So. Not well, bad. Right. It doesn't count because I haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. But uh, here we are. Here we are. Um, we're we're talking about talking about. We're not talking about the Twilight Zone. We're t- today. We're talking about. Maybe we should music. We're talking about faith. I think I'd rather talk about the Twilight Zone than music. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're coming back to old dog meets new tunes. I've got a new song off the Billboard Hot 100. Oh my goodness. To throw some lyrics at Paul and and just see see where they stick in his psyche. So we're gonna do that again. Um, we're we're gonna kick the show off with that uh and then we're gonna get to uh our, our rank geeks a little bit of a more thoughtful thoughtful rank geeks pensive i mean we're always thought, we're always thoughtful about our rank geeks but this one of this us one's is getting thoughtful. deeper into some of our us, souls yeah some of us don't give much thought and we're going to talk about the top five movies that have profoundly impacted our faith or just impacted depending on how deep one of us wants to get <laughs> and of course we'll wrap up the show the way we always love to wrap up the show with the most least important thing. But before we jump into Old Dog Meets New Tunes, Paul, on this the next episode of this this little potty that we do, P-O-D-D-Y, to be clear, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about Avengers Endgame. Avengers and Endgame. I just need to know what your predictions are. So is are that coming out now. pretty soon? Is that right? That's, that's apparently going to be hitting soon. Hopefully you've put in your reservation for the screen. If you haven't, it's fine. You could probably just show up. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest. I not going to be a bunch of people there. No, no. I mean, I there weren't at Infinity War for the press screening. It wasn't yeah. that packed. No, I, I actually think it's going to be a zoo. <laughs> it's even though this is a press screening. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, because press people. I mean, a lot of press people. When when I think about Avengers Endgame. My inner twelve-year-old comes out. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this movie, but I'm—I never get excited for movies. You know, I definitely have. There's there's an old saying, you know, for for sports journalists, which I was one for a time. You don't you don't cheer in the press box, right? You don't cheer for your home team. You just sort of you, and that's the way I've always sort of treated movies. You see the movie and you say, oh, well, that could be interesting, but you don't necessarily say, oh, I'm really looking forward to that. This movie, I can't help myself. I <laughs> This is a culmination of, what, 22 movies, 10 years of my life? This is a huge deal. 
I, I'm looking forward to this sucker. Yeah. That's why you're trying to play it coy. Yeah. Is that thing coming out today? (laughs) Is that it? So, interesting little tidbit. My poor wife. Yes. You know, she was going to come to the screening with me. Yeah. In fact, I I was just talking to my wife and we're like, hey, we should see if Paul and Wendy want to grab a bite to eat after. Which would be a great idea. Yeah. Except (laughs) Wendy has a funeral to go to. Oh, no. At 11 a.m. Oh, I'm sorry. That very day. And our, our screening is at 1130, right? it's reversed but yeah so she had to i'm sorry wendy yeah it's sort of for multiple reasons yeah so most of all well and the memorial service well yeah it's that's really (laughs) sad but but there's also just this sadness about you know not seeing endgame right Right. i mean tickets for this sucker are going for ten thousand dollars for opening day It, it, it is funny that i did see that that tidbit that people in certain areas were paying that much, which was particularly amusing when, so I'm actually going to be on a road trip when, so I'm going to see the screening then I'm going to take off the next day for 12 days, 12 days on a work trip. And so Paul and I are going to, we're going to watch the movie. We're going to record. I'm going to edit this bad boy on the road. You guys will be fine. (laughs) But, (laughs) but the guy, the guy I'm traveling with, he can't go to the screening because I'm taking my wife. Right. He really wants to see it, so he's like, "Man, can we go? Can we go watch it one of the nights on a road trip? Can we just it, Thursday or Friday? Can we go see it?" So I'm like looking to see what town we'll be in because this is like a real rock show type thing. Sure. No, it's not a rock show, sadly. Um, and so we're gonna be in Oklahoma City the night, the Thursday night that it comes out, and there are still tickets. Tickets in Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City for as little as seven bucks. Nine bucks. Wow. To go see this thing. That's interesting. And like multiple, not just like there's one left. Right. There's plenty. Huh. So apparently OKC They're just not they're, they're not, it's not their jam. Avengers fans. They're in in the middle of the Bible belt. Yeah. Kinda sad. Well even though Captain America is still alive, I mean they ought to be all in on that, right? <laughs> Captain America. So, okay, so here's my question. Yes. Who's going to die? Um, I mean, so are you saying that you don't think the people that disappeared are dead? Well, who's going to stay dead? No, I don't think that the people who – because here's the thing. It was already spoiled, right? Because there's a trailer for Spider-Man something. Right. Out. Far from home. Far from home. Look, which I'm going to be honest, I, I think that trailer looks pretty dumb. But still, it shows that Spider-Man He's back. made it out, right? Unless it's a prequel. Unless it's a prequel. It could be a prequel. So I, I kind of think that Probably some people not. are going to be coming back. Yeah, you know, you knew they were. We had Spider-Man. We had Black Panther. Um, I forget who else. There's another Guardians movie in the works. Yeah, um, so there's there's going to be a lot of people. Who, you know, people were coming back. Maybe they'll be all duct taped together. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, of course, we had the reveal that Shuri... Was one of the yeah, the ones which who was made lost. me super we didn't see sad. That on yeah. screen. a bummer that we didn't get to see that on screen. I, I don't know if I need to her. see people die on screen. That's well, not a bummer. For disappear. Me. Yeah, that's no, but but since they were doing it for everybody else, it was kind of like she got shortchanged, right? <laughs> we, like, we didn't even know whether <laughs> she had I don't know. whether she had dissolved or not until they released these posters. Yeah, and she was grayed out. I don't know if that's a really a slight. <laughs> I don't know. So okay, so who's gonna die? Who's um, gonna stay dead? All right, uh, I think Thanos. <laughs> 
Thanos is going to die and stay dead. Wow. That's really going out on a limb. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jake. Well, you know what? People made fun of me when I picked Virginia to win it all. In you did not March pick Madness, Virginia. And I, and I did pick Virginia to you win it all. You suck. So I'm... Are I'm, you allowed to say that? <laughs> on, on this show? Yeah. <laughs> My, you know, everybody under the age of... 40 has a different relationship with that word. It's a really interesting word. Then then the I've I've noticed there this is, is our a second start. consecutive podcast where we've talked about swear words <laughs> like to start that's, off. That's true. Uh, um, there's a stark difference in how people react to that word based on that approximately yeah. 40 year old yeah. line. I've noticed. See, for me, I I I think when when I was growing up it feels like this was sort of it was edgy but not bad. Yeah. I don't know if that's really true. I need like some sort of technical ruling. I need. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's squarely in the, in the, like heck, darn it. See, that's kind of where. Gum, yeah, yeah, exactly. Shoot, shoot, shucks. Like, it's just it's it's golly a, gee, it's an exclamation. You know, it's, it's not. It, there's no gross negative connotations to it. Tarnation. In my world. So there you go. Um, Tarnation is a great word. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I feel good about my prediction. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst prediction. This podcast is going south really what, quickly. What's yours? Oh, I think I think Captain America. Captain America. You think he's going to die? Yeah. Stay dead? Yeah. I wrote a whole, whole column about it actually last year. I thought he was going to die last year. I, no. I know that. So, I mean, you're just you're just repeating it. I'm like doubling down. I'm doubling Nostradamus. down. Nostradamus. That's right. You're like, well, not not like my math was a little off, a little bit off. <laughs> not this year, next year. <laughs> Same, it's fine. I feel a little like Trump and Obamacare. <laughs> uh, well, now we're getting political. Anyway, that that is not allowed on, on this show. Moving Get on. that garbage out of here. <laughs> I don't need politics. I I'm not going to say which I of those just people. Making, I, I was just making. I was just making a statement. Yeah. yeah, it was just a. It was just a general statement. Um, it, so you think it, just him, or do you have any other? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I think Captain America is going to be the main person who dies. I don't think Loki's going to be back. I think. Um, oh no, Loki's no Loki's for sure dead. Oh, he Loki's died a sure different dead. death. He died a different death. That's yeah. true. <laughs> well, what I'm about? Pretty sure his head what was about crushed. Gamora. <laughs> Gamora. No, what's her name? Huh? From From Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. You no, know, I think she's dead. You think she's dead? I think she's dead. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure if she's dead, but I think Loki's definitely dead. Again, she she died a different kind of death, but maybe, you know, it, I could see them because of the symbolism yeah, of her death exactly, in this exactly. weird planet, yeah, like somehow and it was a weird environment some, uh, and the whole bit. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like we thought Red Skull was dead, right? Red Skull, back. So That was one of my favorite parts of um, Infinity War. You know, it's, it's entirely possible that she's in the same sort of not truly dead state yeah. that we're used to with these comic book characters. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think Captain America is... I think Asgard, dead. everybody on Asgard that didn't get on that ship at the end of Ragnarok... They're gone. They, they died, for sure. I think they're going to stay dead. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I like of these course predictions. death. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling great. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you. Tony Stark's dad, for sure, he's going to stay dead. For sure, Tony Stark's dad. He's going to stay dead. Obadiah Stone, stay dead. 
Clark Kent's dad, dead. Well, that's a different universe. Still dead. Yeah. But yeah, he's gonna stay dead. He's well, not, this is a he's really... not coming back in this film. <laughs> no, it's not gonna happen. This is so chipper. You I'm so happy. You know what, you guys? I'm gonna put a hundred dollars. No, no. Yeah, a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars on the fact that Clark Kent's dad is not going to make it an appearance <laughs> as a living character <laughs> in Avengers Head Game. You guys, you can you can each get a thousand bucks if Clark Kent's Superman's dad shows up as a living character in Avengers Endgame. What if there's someone in the background who looks a little like Clark Kent's nope, dad? No, nope. because you to, never know. He, he has could to be, be making it, a, no. It can't even a be like subtle. oh, Kevin Costner just showed up in this. No, no, no. He has to be named. They had to be like oh, see that. Oh, you are you are Mr. Jonathan Kent, right? It's Jonathan Kent. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's early. DC guy. No, it's early. I, Come on. I don't know. All right. Anyways, they had to name him. It has to be legit. None of this, oh, well, we saw someone who kind of, no, no, no. They had to name him. thousand bucks, though, to everybody who, if that happens, everybody can come claim it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so hoping. Restric- okay. Rules and restrictions do apply. Jonathan Kent. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Rules and restrictions do apply. <laughs> But that's that guarantee. That's as good as cash. All right. All right. <laughs> Any other predictions for Avengers Endgame? Um, on the lines of your predictions, I will bet that the Infinity Gauntlet makes an appearance. Okay. We're going to see it. I would bet that there's going to be some heroism and sacrifice in play. Mm. I think Captain Marvel may be a part of it. Hmm. See, see, that was going to be my question. My next question, my final question before we moved on to the rest of the show, was going to be: What scenes from the trailers do you? What scene from the trailer do you think will not be? Oh, that's in a good question. And I was going to say, I don't think Captain Marvel is going to be in it at all. That's actually she's going to be there. Yeah, she's definitely going to be. But there. maybe not the scene where like Thor's like trying to intimidate her by grabbing his axe. Like that could well, be. Well, here's that could thing. be a totally a trailer scene. I think I've seen two different versions of that trailer. Like one in the movie version, I think that Thor's grabbing this this. His hammer, his axe. Right? It's an axe. Is it an axe? Yeah. That because I thought I saw two different versions of it. One so was a the, hammer. One was an axe. Yeah. No. My wife and I actually had this. We actually did. We re, we rewound it. We watched it again a couple of times just to make sure because it's a very quick shot. Right. Thor's hammer or axe moves very quickly. Here's what's up. It depends on whether you're seeing the scene from behind Thor mm. or in front of Thor. So there's a there's one of the trailers where you're behind Thor, and so it's more difficult to see the front of the axe because the back of the axe the, it's not a du- it's not a double edged right, it's right, not right. a double edged axe yeah, right yeah the back of the axe looks very much like his hammer it's got that kind of squared off back but when you pause it you watch it in slow motion you can see that the front of the axe is there and then when you see that same scene in the trailer where it's shot from behind Captain Marvel and you see Thor's face it's very clearly the axe blade so but that it it does in that version where you're from where you're seeing that shot from behind Thor and you see Captain Marvel's face yeah I, I, it does kind of look like his hammer but his hammer guess what it's, it's gone dead. it's dead it's gone it's going to stay dead near near Mjolnir. 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 <laughs> meow, meow. <laughs> meow, meow. All of a sudden, this turned into Super Troopers. <laughs> right. But now Moving it's time on. for An Old Dog Meets New Tunes.
Here we are, old dog meets new tunes. You know what? Uh, Paul was really slow last time <laughs> we did this segment. We had complaints that Paul was just really trying to savor the lyrics too. Much. I was really savoring. So I'm gonna try to keep him. I'm gonna try to keep the pace going this time around. Um, but in old dog meets new tunes, we've got Paul, who uh, is an admitted crotchety old man when it comes to the music scene. Crotchety. He does, he, uh, specifically, he likes to call himself crotchety. Um, as you could tell, he just said the crotchety. word out loud for no reason. Crotchety, crotchety, and crotchety. So, we're going to get an explicit rating for this episode. <laughs> Sucks and crotchety, which is particularly bad in that combination. Um, but Paul doesn't know new music. He hasn't listened to anything since Mbop was released. Mbop. And that is an underrated song. That's a... <laughs> Which we already know about Paul. If you go back and listen to episode 10, he admitted his love for Mbop, Mbop. by Hanson. Um, so I, I'm, I took it upon myself to introduce Paul to some of the hottest new tunes out Because you're so hip, Jake. I'm So into music. Yes, I am hip AF. There you are listening to your tunes. To my tunes. And so, Paul, uh, last time I gave him a selection of lyrics from Travis Scott's Sicko Mode. And Paul had to try to read that section of lyrics, figure, guess what the artist's name was, the song title was, uh, uh, and guess what the what song, the was about, song was about based right. on the yeah. section of lyrics that I gave him. Right. Um, and so I've got a new, I've picked a new song from the Billboard Hot 100 for Paul to read some lyrics from. <sighs> so Paul, can you read these lyrics for for our happy friends? Yes, I can read the lyrics. <clears throat> there you go. All right. Are they big enough for you? <laughs> yes. Is the font? Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Jake. Uh, thinking in a bad way, losing your grip, screaming at my face, baby, don't trip. Someone took a big L. Don't know how that felt. Looking at you sideways. Party on tilt. Ooh, ooh. Some things you'd like. What, wait, wait, wait. Ooh, ooh. Some things you just can't refuse. She want to ride me like a cruise. And I'm not trying to lose. Okay. <laughs> Paul, first thoughts. Are you a fan? Crotchety. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that about the cruise line? <laughs> Look at you and your dirty jokes. Oh, uh, you know, again, I'd, I'd have to sort of take it all in context. I have to listen to the to the music, yeah. you know? I, I, and, I, I, and I will I'll, I will let you hear some of the, the tunes. All right. Yeah. Um, I... Cannot say that this strikes me as, as you know, Milton level of poetry here. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think I am less than impressed at this point. Okay, it's not, it's not doing, it's no. not doing it for you yet. No, Paul, what do you think the name of the artist is who, who sings these lyrics? <sighs> Hold on. <laughs> you need to look at them again. You need to look at. Would you like again. me to read them to you? Yes. Can you read them to me? That'd be great. No, 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 no. That that no. takes too much time. Okay. Well, I mean, thinking right. in a bad way, losing your grip, screaming at my face, baby, don't trip. Someone took a big L, don't know how that felt. Looking at you sideways, party on tilt. Ooh, some things you ooh, just can't ooh. refuse. She want to ride me like a cruise, and I'm not trying to lose. Sounds like Kid Rock all over the place. Kid Rock all over the place. <laughs> Kid Rock all over the place? Kid Rock, all right. I mean... That's that. Yeah, that's a guess. That's a guess. It's a guess. Um, what, what do you think this song is called? It is. Well, it, it obviously would be the Caribbean Cruise Line, right? 
the Car- like, the Caribbean Cruise Line. Yeah, so yeah. you think it's a oh you think it's an advertising jingle? Yeah, it's for a the Kid Royal Rock's Caribbean advertising jingle for the Caribbean, the Caribbean Cruise Line. Cruise yeah. Line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they got rid of like Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, like was she years doing ago. commercials for them? She was. She was, and in in I I did like listening to her sing when I heard her commercials and stuff. But it, clearly, they wanted to get a little bit edgier, and and so they went with a not that edgy, you know, rock country rap star, just to just to sort of liven their persona up a little bit. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So uh, so Paul, that you know is not what this song is about. Well. What are, you, what are you looking at now? Oh, uh, sorry. Wait, Never mind. Never did, you, mind. did you want to see the I was going to look at the lyrics because yeah, yeah. I, w- I wanted to see, uh, yeah, because, see, thinking in a bad way, losing your grip, screaming at my face, baby, don't trip. Clearly, there's some hazards on the boat, but there are mirrors there as well, so that's good. Someone took a big L. Maybe they took, like, an elevated train to the to the pier. Is what I'm guessing. Don't know how that felt. Looking at you sideways. Party on tilt. See, they have a lot of parties on these on these cruise lines. And they do tilt when right? the waves yeah. roll. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Ooh, ooh, some things you just can't refuse, which would be, you know, a line that, that like, Caribbean Cruise Line would would. How could endorse. you refuse? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You can't refuse a cruise. Exactly. Yeah. And they have gambling on. on Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger crunch. Exactly. Like that? <laughs> no. I, I don't You don't know. remember those? Well, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Did you not watch TV in the 90s? Or? <laughs> no, I remember. Don't lay a, don't Nobody lay a better lay a finger on my Butterfinger Crunch. Is that the only uh, Is that the only Simpsons that you've ever seen? That It is the only Simpsons that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and not trying to lose, right? They have they have gambling aboard these ships, That's so clearly. That, do they? Yeah. Because oh, they're in international waters? Is they're that? in international waters. You, you can go. gamble like crazy gotcha. on those boats, from gotcha. what I understand. Well, and now there's, you know, gambling's making its comeback in, on land, Everywhere. too. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so it's clearly it's just a, it's, it, it is a jingle. I'm like standing actually, by that. A Kid <laughs> Rock jingle for a Caribbean cruise. Fun fact, uh, some of you may have heard that the NFL is looking at changing some of its replay rules based on a bad call that happened in the playoffs this last year. Yeah. Sean Payton. Terrible call. It was a bad call. It was legitimately bad, but... Most of the owners were very skeptical about changing any replay rules until Sean Payton, coach for the New Orleans Saints, made an impassioned plea. And a big part of his plea for getting this changed was based on gambling. That's how he is. Look, guys, now that everybody's allowed to gamble, we have to make sure the integrity of the game is intact. Wow, that's very so interesting. Using gambling to protect the integrity of the game of football. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. That's not a. That's not the best look. Not the best look. No. All right. Um. All right. Well, uh, Paul, I'll uh, I'll let you hear this song as I as I kind of tell you how wrong your face is. <laughs> Now I know you've actually heard this one. That's the fun thing about this. Yeah, no, I've, is it ringing I've never a bell? Heard this. You I've have never heard this. You have heard this song and this set of lyrics, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. But hold on, here you go. Doesn't sound like Kid Rock, admittedly. 
Come on, Paul, dance. This is a great dancing song. And there's the title for you as well. Sunflower? Sunflower. That has nothing to do with sunflowers. <laughs> it has nothing to do with sunflowers. Well, it's a metaphor, Paul. Come on. I don't I don't deal in metaphors. You're an English major. You all you deal exclusively <laughs> in metaphors. Paul, um, I actually do know for a fact that you have heard How have I heard this? That song, or at least that part of that song. If I if I have heard it, I have completely blocked it out. Well, I'll I'll start off by saying this song is currently at number two on the Hot 100. Uh It has been on the Billboard Hot 100. Good for Kid Rock. (laughs) That was very clearly a Kid Rock song. (laughs) Um, It's been on the chart for 24 weeks. 24 weeks. Yes, it peaked at number one. It was released on October 19th and debuted in the top ten in advance. Of its appearance in one Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. No. Well, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, you haven't seen no. Spider-Man Into the no. Spider-Verse? I thought you were... Okay, you know what? It was it was our good friend Bob Hoos who was at that screening. I'm just so used to you always being at the superhero yeah. screenings. Yeah, no, yeah. But now I'm remembering that... I have not you seen still Spider-Man seen into, into the Spider-Man. But you also had told me you had to see it so you could make a legitimate pick for the best animated film of last year. So you mean you voted... On the best animated picture it's, it's of 2018 without having seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Is that what I just discovered on this show? Oh, my word. Oh, my word. What? I need to know. What, what? Who do you this vote for? Like, <laughs> I need to let them know. This is no. Well, I don't, is wrong. I, I, I don't even remember. Aren't you on a film critic's voting board somewhere? I am on a film's critic oh voting board, goodness. but I didn't vote for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Man. I know, but you, that, that whatever you voted for got an illegitimate vote because you hadn't seen its true No, I, I really what needed to see it. For? No, I totally needed to see it, but I did didn't. Did you vote for Incredibles 2? I did vote for Incredibles 2. Oh, my goodness. Which All was right. a really good movie, right? It's so a fine I movie, but it's not as good as Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Well, and that's what I've heard. It is on my way, I promise, <laughs> because I actually ordered it from Amazon. All so right. I'm going to be watching okay, good. All and right. then I'll be all up on sunflowers. You will see where this song is in the movie. It's very obvious. It's very right. obvious. Anyways, it's it's actually by Post Malone and Swaley. Hey, Swally. I've heard of Post Malone. Yeah, Post Malone. You know, and, and that's cool because it sort of echoes back to my childhood when Carl Malone was always posting up for the Utah Posted Jazz. Up, yeah, that's why his that's why this guy's name is Post Malone. His fan was a his dad was a big fan of the jazz. Are you lying to me? I have no idea. I'm make, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm making this up. I mean, that, I'm making this it up. It makes sense to me. I yeah. mean, Carl Malone was a big deal. Yeah, the no, I mean, man. we should look this up at some point. Yeah, and maybe I'll do some research and get back to you guys later in the show. Maybe we should do Young Guy Old Sports. But Ooh, that would be Young a good Guy idea. Old Sports. There you go, Paul. Now that you heard the tune, are you a fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it too um, melancholy for you? It was a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't grab me. Right. Okay. It had. You're right. It has a great dancing beat. Like I can totally see Real myself smooth. when I go out onto the dance floor, which is often. You know, sort of, sort of move into the beat because it's got that sort of mellow thing. It's not too fast for an old guy yeah, like me, so I can move. I'm not going to be breaking yeah. bones doing it. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, 
I can't. Here's the thing. You wouldn't add it to your running list. No, I wouldn't add it to my running list because it would slow me down. Like the beats are just a little bit too. Okay, so last time we're talking about how you know things make you run too fast and. Yeah, no, this one this one would have a hard. It would have a hard beat to run to because the beats are so strong and because they're a little bit slower than my pace. Gotcha. Right, Madonna longer works. Post Malone. Oh what Madonna song do you <laughs> no. listen to? She has some great running songs. She really like does. What? Die Another Day. That's really good. M- Magic, I think, is what it's called. Wow. Both of those are actually really good running songs. There you go. And Mbop. For your, for your pace, yeah. <laughs> Whoo, doggy. <laughs> All right, well, now it's time for uh, Rank Geeks where we talk about faith movies. <laughs> like Madonna. What a segue. I, I bet Paul's going to have Madonna's Like a Virgin <laughs> music video on his list. <laughs> here we are in Rank Geeks. I don't know why I always like to say we're... We're here because, of course, we're here. Well, of course, we're here. Here we are in your ears yeah. or on your ears, depending on what kind of headphones. It's like we have these separate rooms use. for all these segments that we do. Here yeah. is our rank geek room. Right. Or or maybe maybe we're not on your ears or in your ears. Maybe we're floating through the airwaves, just sl- like, you know, sneaking our way into your brain. Maybe this isn't even a real podcast. You never know. We could go really metaphysical. Yeah, it maybe maybe a, this is somebody – maybe someone's just convinced you that you're listening to a podcast. Poor, poor you. Um, but uh, it, we're, we're, we're in the – for what many in the world uh, consider the, the holy season of the Christian faith, right? Right. Lent, Holy Week. Did you give up anything for Lent? Easter. You know, I, I did not grow up where Lent was a thing. Right. Like, it was always uh, – in whatever circles my parents were traveling in, right. it was still kind of squarely within the the more Catholic – my like, you know, that was a Catholic thing, right? Right, right, right. And it's only over the last couple of years that I've realized that it's not just a Catholic thing, that there are other denominations of Christians that practice the, the – um, the ritual of Lent, mm-hmm. and uh, I have not yet gotten into it. I like the idea of it, but I, I don't know anything about it. And so for me, it feels like I, at this point, until I really kind of understand what the point is, I'd just be doing it to do it. And I don't, you know. So there you go. Yeah, that's where I'm at. We could we could take that on a totally different <laughs> direction. <laughs> if this was a different but- podcast. <laughs> You know, I could get all sorts of opinions from yeah. some people no, that think I, that's a good thing and others that are like, how dare you? <laughs> that's probably true. You know, my first, really the first time I ever remember reading about Lent, almost, I, I mean, I'm sure I'd heard about it elsewhere, but the first time I recall reading about it was in the review, the plugged in review of the movie 40 Days and 40 Nights. Really? Where um, Josh Hartnett, I think, yeah, gave up sex for Lent, right? Something like that. <laughs> did you review no, this I didn't for review for it. plugged in? It might have been before your time. It. Yeah, um, I believe he gives up sex for Lent. Um, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, doesn't that, sound like that, a good plugged that in what movie." Lent is <laughs> weird. Yeah, Catholics just go and celibate for forty days. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> that that's would be not confusing. just what Lent yeah, is. No. Though I'm sure there are people yeah. that do give that up for yeah. Lent. 
I was in a play one time where the one of the main characters gave up electricity for Lent, which is kind of an interesting well, there you spin go. on it. So, But did you give up something for Lent? You, you know what? I actually... A Lenten observer? <laughs> this is going to sound strange, and this is really way too much information. Let me... Do we you? have no time for this, but... <laughs> One of the cool things about having been a religion reporter for as long as I was, I was a religion reporter for many years, is you learn about some really cool things that don't necessarily, that you never grew up with in your right. own faith tradition, you know? And, and I think that that as I, as, you know, coming from a pretty evangelical Protestant background, like, like you, Lent was never a big deal. But... Watching people in Catholicism and some of the other traditions uh, go through Lent, I found it was really, really cool, really powerful. Um, and I think that I'm I'm also not doing Lent completely well. My understanding is it really is, it's not about taking, it's not about eliminating bad habits from your life. It's really about being mindful that God is the only thing that you need. Right. Right. So I think that that is, that is the power of of Lent and, and people who who do it. So taking more good things. Exactly. That exactly. you might otherwise rely on or potentially idolize. Exactly. Or, exactly. It's not the time to get rid of sin. You know, right. you should be getting rid of sin anyway, yeah. right? But It's kind of a year-round deal in Christianity, guys. Just heads up. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that... that I have, and so because of that, I do sort of give up. I, I give up bad habits, you know. He's Essentially, like, so I know this is, you know, it's not this, but that's what I'm. <laughs> so what did you give I up? Don't did do you give up Mountain Dew for Lent? You know what I did? I gave up allergy medicine, <laughs> which that, is a really that's bad a sin thing in your life. Well, here's the thing. You, Here, wait, no, here's the thing. Did this just turn into an intervention, Paul? <laughs> no, you're really, addicted to allergy it totally medicine. Is. <laughs> this is. This is. I, this is why we should never get into these free-range conversations because you never know where they're going to go, right? So, yeah, like like for the last year or two, I had sort of, you know, you have allergy problems, right? So you take yeah, a little bit of, a know, non-moral issue in my mind. But <laughs> it really is. Going. But, but I also realized when I needed it for my allergies and I thought, oh, man, I just need some allergy medicine, I also noticed that I slept really well. And so I started actually uh, using, I think, this allergy medicine to help me sleep as opposed to actually dealing with the allergies. And so gotcha. it did become sort of like this dependence thing where because I just slept so much better, because I was having a hard time sleeping otherwise, it became this thing, right? So for the last, I, I gave up allergy medicine and, and giving it up during allergy season was probably not the smartest thing that I've ever done. <laughs> I'm also working on a lot. But that's like hardcore Old Testament faithfulness, right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sniffling. I'm yeah sneezing a lot more. But but I'm and I'm also sleeping a lot less. But (laughs) I have given it up. So there you go. Your soul is stronger. Oh my goodness. Um, That's good though. That's good because I mean that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a sin. You know, it's 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 helping you sleep. No, well, but, and, but, but here's so that the sounds thing. like you are getting it kind of. No, I, and it really is. I think it's one of those things. Not that where, you needed me to validate your faith. <laughs> <but, laughs> thank you. Here you go. <laughs> thank you very much. Because you know, I think that in in our modern time, as I drink coffee this morning, <laughs> you know, I think in in our modern coffee. days, we don't realize how many of the things that we we actually consume 
we rely on to get us through our day. Right. You know, and I think that, that that's not a very healthy place to be, either 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 physically or spiritually. You yeah. know? I think that that's not a very good thing. So but I'm I'm not giving up coffee just yet. There you go. Uh, so um, allergy medicine has profoundly impacted your faith, Paul. Well, why don't we get to number five on the list of movies that are profoundly impacted? What a impacted great segue. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> There's a great episode of um, King of Queens where where Arthur, the character played by Jerry Stiller, is talking about how he used to have an addiction to like nasal spray. <laughs> it is a fantastic episode of King of Queens. <laughs> it just made me think of this. Like you should watch that. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So I actually did this in slightly chronological order, right? And there there are a lot of movies. I watch a lot of movies, obviously. And yeah. and so a lot of the more modern ones have have impacted my faith. I mean, there's a lot of if we got into um you know, if this was a top 10 list, a top 20 list, I could easily come up with some some really interesting movies and some more modern movies. But I thought I'd just sort of take it as I was growing up, what really impacted how I thought about thought about faith and spirituality and about my own particular expression of that spirituality. Um, and so the very first movie um, was ironically also my very first favorite, favorite movie, and that was Star Wars. Star Wars, well, yeah. I mean, Star Wars, it's very spiritual. We've, we've bloviated about Star Wars on this show. Yeah, and it's and your your it's charred charring impact on your. No, absolutely, and I think we've even talked a little bit about how there was a there was a pastor in my life who yeah. said Star Wars was, you know, it was all this. It has all these Eastern mysticism elements to it. It has a lot Which of dualism and all like it, and it really does. But I think at the time when I saw it, it was the first expression that I saw on screen of this greater reality beyond the, the the empirical reality that we see. And in that time frame for me, that was really impactful. You know, I, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, all that kind of stuff. But in some ways, I think even as children, we sort of compartmentalize that. And even though this was a, a space science fiction fantasy opera, in a sense, it felt more germane to my real life in some ways than some of those Sunday school lessons. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it it impacted me in a way that said there is a deeper reality beyond what you can see and touch. And I think that that, was, that actually sort of helped plant a seed for, for, some of the, for some of the thoughts that I had later to come. There you go. Star Wars. All right, uh, number five on my list is uh, a little bit more on the nose than Paul's, um, <laughs> but it, it had to make it had to make the list for me, and, and you'll see why. But it was from 1979, and that is the Jesus film. The Jesus film. Yeah, uh, this one for me was my, my family owned this movie, and we watched it every Easter for years, or at least us kids did. And um, so this really shaped in many ways, like the way my even as deep as like the way my brain would imagine these characters looking when you would read the gospel narrative. The Jesus film is famous because it's been translated into thousands of languages and seen all over the world. And um, interestingly enough, it mostly features Jewish cast members, at least 
on screen. Jesus is not a Jewish guy. He's a British guy. Um, but uh, a fun trivia fact that I just learned while making this list, <clears throat> although the actors on screen are mostly Jewish actors, the voices you hear are not their voices. The director didn't like how they sounded delivering their lines, and so he dubbed over everybody <laughs> <laughs> and made them all really mad. Oh, um, the other fun fact about this, this movie always felt very long. It's, a, it's two plus hours. Uh, but actually, a lot of the actors were very disappointed because they were told it was going to be a four-plus-hour-long like epic uh, and just be like the whole thing. Right, and right. So they were very upset with how much ended up getting cut. But all that being said, it's a very faithful rendering of the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And when I think of Peter still to this day, I think I think of um, the guy Nico Natai, who's actually – he was from um, – he was, he was from Romania – fun you know fun fact but uh just it's it's a really it's a quiet film it is not bombastic uh and yet it's stirring and it's moving and i cried every time that i watched this movie and and it's actually the reason i never watched the passion of the christ um when that came out and and was really moving to a lot of other people was i was like man the jesus film you didn't want to every you didn't time. want to i can't dilute I can't, the jesus film it wasn't that I didn't want to dilute it. It was just like I knew that the Jesus film was too much for me. Like I felt the weight oh, of my gotcha, sin gotcha. on the cross and Jesus – because it was it's rated G. It's not a G-rated movie. You see Jesus being crucified right. and getting nailed in. It's not – it's obviously not um, Passion of the Christ level, but it's really hard to watch. And I felt that weight of my sin every time I watched it Like and, and the, the, the heaviness of that sacrifice for me. And so I was like I don't need to see – the gory version i'm already wrecked and yeah. so that was a big reason why i never watched the passion of the christ i don't know if that's good or bad but that was that was my reasoning at the time yeah no it, and that makes a lot of sense it's interesting because one of the movies that i considered putting on my list but i didn't remember the name of it when i was a kid my dad took me to church where they, where they were showing a, a jesus film not the Jesus film, but a film about, you know, the, the crucifixion and resurrection yeah. of Jesus. And and it was the first time that I had seen that portrayal of, of Jesus actually being sacrificed. And and as as a child, it's super impactful. I mean, I don't you hear about obviously Good Friday and you hear about the Easter story if you grow up in religious houses like like Jake and I did, before you even remember. I mean, this is part of our consciousness from from the very, very earliest days. But right. until you actually see it on screen, I don't think that the the weight of that sacrifice really really impacts you on the same level. Yeah. You know? And and I think that those movies can be super powerful. And I still remember that movie. I think it was probably a terrible movie, the one that I'm remembering, but I still remember it vividly. And I remember walking out feeling just like you did, wrecked. Yeah. You know? Have you seen the Jesus film? I <laughs> Because it was a I notable, it, yeah, it was I, a notable. Uh, you didn't put it in your blog. No, yeah, I, I wrote a blog about great Jesus, Jesus movies. movies, and you didn't include the Jesus film. No, and 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 I, I got to be honest with you, I put it in, I couldn't finish it. Um, yeah. It was a few years ago, and I think that it just, it just didn't. I was really curious about it, and I. I do need to pop it in again. I need to watch it again because I've heard many, many people love it. They love it. For me, it felt it felt a little on the nose. 
I mean, oh, it's very on the nose, and that I think you know, that's the people that love it love it for that. Yeah, it's not like it's high cinema. Yeah, it's not like it's creative. It just gets the job. It done. gets the job done, and I think for for people who don't watch as many movies as I do, I think it might be a little bit more effective. But I've seen so many Jesus right. movies where it's just it's harder for me to 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 sink into a, into that that type of movie. So right. number two or uh, number four on your list. Number four, Paul. Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right. Another favorite movie. Um, again, you know, it's interesting that, that when when I was growing up, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark were probably my two favorite movies. Loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. And a lot of that was because of the action and the music and the whips and the running around in the desert. I loved all that sort of stuff. But I think a, a big element actually was that spiritual element. I think that even even as I was growing up, just just that sense of, of faith again the 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 sense that star wars sort of sparked within me that there's a greater reality out there um was one of the things that attracted me to raiders and in raiders of course it has a much more judeo-christian underpinning right um it i thought it was really a again this is no huge theological treatise but but when you when i think about how i sort of the the spark within me you know that that really fascinates me about about faith and about god and about um all the unknowable things that come along with faith i think that these these movies as light and as entertaining and as throwaway in some ways as they are they 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 plant a seed you know seeing the power of god manifested itself melting people's faces um Again, it's it wasn't a Sunday school lesson, but it reminded me of the awesome power of God, and I think that 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 was something that that has always stuck with me. Yeah, well, there you go. Number four for me on my list is going to be on the nose again, and I promise my list will get it off the nose um, <laughs> as we go. On but, the nose is fine. Yeah, on uh, number four for me is one chariots of fire. From Chariots 19, of Fire. 1981. This is my dad's favorite movie of all time. I think it's still his favorite movie of all time and because it has been as far as long as I've had conscious memory of my dad. And so we watched this one pretty early and often. Um, Did it bore you as a child? You know, it, I have to say as a child, it wasn't like my favorite movie of all time. I think I appreciated it because I felt like I was sharing something with my dad. Um, but it wasn't like I was sitting there th- saying independently, I would watch this movie all the time. Um, and it's my favoriteest thing ever. However, um, I appreciated the bonding w- with my dad and the the fact that this idea that it deals with um, it deals with a lot of things. But what stuck out to me and what impacted my faith is this idea that our vocation, our passion, can can glor- is is meant to glorify God. Is not necessarily a distraction from the work of God, but can be the work of God in and of itself and in us. And, and so the line that's always stuck with me, you know, is when Eric Liddell says, when I, I, I always get it wrong. I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Yes. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Give me, gives me tingles. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. And, um, and that's, that's stuck with me as I've gone through life and the ups and downs of faith. 
uh, and, and trying to figure out, all right, God, what am I supposed to do? How am I faithful in this season and that season? And this idea that not everything, and it's not that every, every single thing I want to do is somehow magically God, but that he does give you these talents and he does give you these abilities with which to glorify him. And that when you do that, you feel his pleasure and that, that we have a God who feels good pleasure in his children, like is a, is a powerful reminder. And one I try to come back to, cause it's not my natural feeling right. about faith. Um, so I'm grateful for that. So there you go. Chariots of fire. Number four for me. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. And that was, that was a, a contender for my list as well. Number three for me, the mission, the mission. We may have talked about this on this we podcast. We have talked about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I have always felt that The Mission might be one of the most uh, spiritually powerful movies that I've ever seen. Um, it is a 1980-81, maybe, movie um, starring Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro involving uh, missionary work in the jungles of South America, essentially, as as um, colonial powers were, were sort of divvying up the continent and throwing a lot of its native inhabitants into slavery. 1986. 1986, crazy. There you go. But um, one of the most powerful scenes in it, the Robert De Niro character um, is a slave trader. He begins his life in his, as a slave trader. He kills his brother when he catches his brother with his own, you know, main squeeze. And so he feels, he essentially begins to starve himself to death. And it's this priest, Jeremy Irons' character, who comes in and pulls him out of his depression and says, and essentially gives him a penance that he feels will be hard enough for for him to feel like he has been you know redeemed in a sense um it's the scene that that strikes me there's a lot of stuff that's going on here you you have this push pull between the idea of of this hierarchical uh spiritual system that they're in how to follow orders, when to break them. There's this idea of pacifism versus active resistance against the the terrible things of this world. There there are those elements too. But the thing that that moves me the most about this is is that scene of redemption. Yeah. Um, as essentially the the priest gets the slave trader to come with him to minister to the very same people who he's been enslaving, and he forces him to go through this trek through the jungle with this suit of armor tied to his back. And so he drags this suit of armor throughout the entire jungle um, and and watching him go through that very Catholic penance, suffering in order to somehow find a, a sense of redemption. Obviously, we, we come from an evangelical Protestant background, so that's not really part of our... But But the idea that you somehow need to... It was a powerful scene, that, that scene where he is trying to make good on the sins that he's committed. And the scene in which he is finally let go of that burden, I think is one of the most powerful scenes in all of in all of moviedom. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. Well, and I think that gets lost a little bit in our evangelical Protestant faith worldview often, mm-hmm. is that although we believe... And, and I believe this is still true, that our salvation 
and our forgiveness of sins does not come through our own effort right. or pain penance. Right. It comes through grace, through the forgiveness of our sins on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. That does not mean that there are not physical repercussions of our sins in the real world that that we're off the hook for making right. Yeah. And 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 not that we're and not, again not that our salvation is based on that, but Zacchaeus, you know, is a famous gospel, the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. And what what you know, Jesus famously says at the end of that story, salvation has come to this house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it's after Zacchaeus says, "I'm going to pay back all those that I wronged. I'm going to go back to these sins, and I'm going to make a sacrificial offering." I'm not just going to pay them back. I'm going to give them back more than I took from them. And so there is a practical application of the gospel of Jesus is meant for us individually in our eternal redemption, but also for the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so there is this sense that I think we lose sight of when we just get really locked and loaded on right. our, on its right. like individual implications for myself in heaven, yeah, right. that we miss this more practical sense of the justice and the mercy of God flowing into the earth as it is in heaven. And so anyways, I think there's a power there that we often lose sight of. Yeah, that, no, that I, you just that you just talked about there in the mission. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's really true. I think that sometimes <sighs> grace is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and none of us would have any hope without it. But at times, I think that as evangelical Protestants, I think sometimes we can process it more as cheap grace, where it's sort of like this get-out-of-jail-free card for right. whatever we do. And I think that there's, I think that in some ways. God doesn't need us to work toward salvation, but I think that mentally and emotionally, sometimes, sometimes that process of of trying to rectify our mistakes, of trying to heal the wounds that we have created, um, there's a power in that. And sometimes, even if God doesn't need it, sometimes we do. We do. Others do. I mean. The separation, I mean, we can get real deep and get into a real theology podcast here, but the separation (laughs) of ourselves from God in the garden was also a separation from us and ourselves and us and others. And so there's still a redemption work that is being worked out in the here and now between us and ourselves and us and others. Right. And so there you go. Yeah. Um, You know, quick callback real quick. Uh, I said I would do this research for you guys. Post Malone. It was famously rumored that he was named that after Carl Malone, that is not true. His actual born name is Austin Richard Post. So uh. when he decided he needed a rap persona, he's like, well, I'll take my last name, make it my first name. And then he said that he used a rap name generator <laughs> no. to get the name Malone. <laughs> that is hilarious. So there you go. Hilarious. It's just his real last name and a rap name generator. <laughs> All right, right. number three for you. Number three for me is a movie from 2009, and uh, its uniqueness on this list is that I have not seen it. Really? And that's that seems like you're cheating, right? It it would seem like that, but this was one of the first ones that jumped to mind when I was coming up to my list, and it is uh, 2009's Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Now, that's not on the nose. <laughs> it is definitely not in the nose. 
so why this movie uh, has profoundly impacted my faith is that it was it was 2008 and 2009 when God really began working on my own heart. Well, he actually began this work well before when I was a child, but when he was drawing me back closer, I think, to his heart because I had my dad, you know, had started really pushing into he knew I loved pop culture and movies and TV. He started teaching me about these things young. I was really passionate about it. And then I, I hit an age in high school where I just thought I, I can watch whatever I want because I'm discerning and that means I can watch whatever <laughs> I want because it won't mess with me. You know, it's that stupid high school reasoning, right? But it was around 2008, 2009, I was out of high school that um, he kind of began putting a check on my spirit and saying, you've been pouring a lot of st- stuff into your heart that's not good for your heart. It's not good for, you know, just your life. It's It's not great for you. Um, and and this movie was where I remember this most vividly kind of coming to a head in my own life because this movie in Glorious Bastards was like if was like I was the target demographic. I loved Brad Pitt. I was really <laughs> into Quentin Tarantino. I was really into World War II movies. I was really into The Office and B.J. Novak was in it. Um, like this was so squ- – and it was a comedy and it was an action and Tarantino and Brad Pitt. This – I watched the trailers ad nauseum. I was so excited. I knew exactly when this was coming out, August of 2009 had that was I was going to be in the theater's opening weekend for this movie but over time God kept kind of there was just this check in my spirit that maybe maybe I didn't need to watch this movie and I kept fighting it off for months I fought it off saying no 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 I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but I could not bring myself to watch the movie and it was the weirdest thing because I've watched plenty of worse movies than Inglorious Bastards but I just kept feeling this check saying no don't and and so I didn't, and and he kept working on things in my heart. And multiple times since then, I've talked to people, and they've been like, "You haven't seen this movie." I had somebody put the Blu-ray disc in my hands and say, "Watch <laughs> this movie, so we can talk about it. It's amazing." And I was like, "Okay." And then I took the Blu-ray disc home, and I could not get myself to put it in my player. I just kept feeling this check, like this represented something, a moment in my life where I made a decision to do things differently than I had been doing them before and I didn't feel like I could go back on it. And so I gave it a couple of weeks later after sitting there waffling with it, sitting like on my player, like I just could not do it. And I gave it back. And I was like, I'm, I, 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 just, I don't, I can't. And then it got added to Netflix. And I was like, it'd be so easy to hit play on this. I think I added it to my queue at one point and I just could not watch it because it was like, I, this represents something to me and my my like my faith journey and i feel like i've grown a lot since i just stopped watching whatever i wanted to watch and this feels like that tipping point you know right or wrong it feels like something i just can't do i can't walk back even though i know movies don't automatically you know right right it's a complex thing it's a complex thing but for me this movie has kind of stood as this was a defining moment in my own faith journey and so there you go, number three for me in Glorious No, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, and from my perspective, you're not missing much. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. But so there you I go. think I, I'm really impressed with that reasoning. All yeah. right, number two. Number two. Number two for me, 
I will not belabor this because we've talked <laughs> about it before and because we're running really short of time. Um, but that would be Braveheart. Braveheart. Braveheart is a really impactful movie. I find it much more spiritual in, in a lot of ways than than Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's other most famous movie. Um, I think it, it's just... It's bloody, it's violence. It doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with faith, but the thing that I always come back to again and again, and this is something I've quoted in I don't know how many blogs, but the line after after William Wallace, the Mel Gibson character, who is trying to lead Scotland to, you know, independence. Freedom. He's working with the, the heir apparent to, to Scotland, Robert the Bruce. And Robert the Bruce betrays William Wallace on the battlefield and sells him out essentially and and Robert the Bruce comes back to his dad who's this old leprous guy who's been sort of you know manipulating everything so that they can develop this more power but sort of sacrifice their souls at the same time and and the dad is trying to to justify the decision that they have both made and he says you know all men lose heart. All men, you know, this is this is what happens in the real world. And Robert the Bruce says, I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe. And for me, as a person who sometimes faith can be difficult for, um, I tend to be... I think that there's a real power in that. For me, it, it's always a throwback to the silver chair. Right. Oddly enough, which is my favorite Chronicles of Narnia book, and, and the idea of Puddle, Puddle Glum stamping out the fire when she, he's talking with um, the Emerald Queen, and, and the Emerald Queen trying to say, this is reality, this underground world that we live in, this is reality. And Puddle Glum says, you know what, maybe you're right, but for me, I'm with Aslan, I'm with that no matter what because it's way better than what you're offering here. And I think that that sometimes when I'm in my darkest moments of faith, that's what I come back to. I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful thing. All right. I mean, I'm right there with you. Silver chair. Number two for me, 1999, The Matrix. Ooh. The Matrix. This one for me, um, of course, sort of the Star Wars if you will, for me, what Star Wars was for you, sure. The Matrix was for me. I wasn't allowed to watch it at the time in '99 until a couple of years later. Right. But uh, even before I watched it, it was the movie that everybody was dissecting from a Christian perspective to say, "Here's the Gnosticism, and here's the Buddhism, and here's the Christian, and here's all this stuff." And it was the one, you know, the books that my dad it came out right around that age, about ten years old, when my dad was like, "All right, this kid is really into pop culture. I need to start helping him figure out how to process all this stuff and build his worldview." And so, like the books that he gave me talked about the Matrix and the article that he would print off he would print them off the internet and <laughs> give them to me you know we're about the matrix and so i could talk to all my friends about the matrix even though i'd never seen it and i actually probably knew more about it than they did you know? <laughs> yeah the cool slow motion i was like yeah the gnosticism and the buddhism and they're like what uh, but this was the one that started like this this whole conversation for me about the intersection of my faith and pop culture and where that was good bad and ugly so there you go 1999's The Matrix. You know, 
just listening to you talk about my dad, I almost want to have like a Father's Day podcast. Ooh, that'd be a good idea. You know, Get because dads in here? clearly, well, <laughs> or just talk about him. You know, oh, I okay. think that it's, I think that, you know, your dad was such a huge influence on you and, and, and your spiritual growth and your entertainment. And I think it's just really interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's kind of moving, I, I have like to him. say. Yeah. So, number one for me. Number one. 2014's Calvary. Calvary. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen this, I Jake? I have, yeah. I even got a, a retweet. I got a, a reply from Chris O'Dowd Ooh. after I tweeted about this movie after having watched it. Wow. Yeah. It is a powerhouse movie. It, it is. is really difficult to watch. In a quiet package. In a quiet package, although in a, in a brutal package, too. You know, essentially, sure. you, have this, uh, you have this Catholic priest who is confronted in the confessional booth by a guy who has been sexually abused in his in his childhood by a right. priest. And because of that, he plans to kill this priest in seven days. He has seven days to live. Um, and it's sort of this, this dark, it, there's some comedic elements of it, but it feels really harsh as we watch this priest walk through the next seven days um, as he grapples with who he is and what his faith is about. He, terrible things happen to this priest. And there are a lot of people who have some terrible things to say about his faith right. and about Christianity and about the nature of God. And throughout this, I think it's just such a powerful statement of, yes, there are some really, really difficult things about faith that we sometimes have to walk through. Um, and sometimes the people who are in that faith do not act as they should. And yet there's value to that faith anyway. It was, it's an amazing story in that it was able to give such a harsh critique of, of Christianity and, and some, of the, some of the things that have about it, and yet say how beautiful and in some ways how necessary it is. Right. Um, and one of my favorite lines was when he was talking with his daughter you know, toward, toward the end of the movie. And he says, you know, I think forgiveness has been highly underrated. And that's essentially the entire message of this movie as, as this priest is being attacked from all corners, how forgiving he eventually is to all of the slings and arrows that he suffers. And, and it, it is a movie that I still think about to this day, five years later. Yeah, there you go. It's a good pick. That, that was an honorable mention for me. Uh, but number one for me, and this probably will come of no surprise, but is 2003's The Return of the King. We've talked a lot about The Lord of the Rings, but Return of the King specifically as a movie, um, just and as a book, frankly, but has so many moments that that really wrap up the spiritual impact and and are things that I think about, uh, you know, kind of to your point about Braveheart and Narnia, about about faith journey and conflict and, and where we, where we are at. I mean, come on, Gandalf, I will not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil or Aragorn giving his speech. Hold your ground. Sons of Gondor of Rohan, my brothers, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day or, uh, Sam, you know, and Frodo and the way Sam would talk to Frodo as they're in the worst part of this journey and everything is bleak and hopeless and dark and, you know, to Sam's limited worldview, it's the end of all things. And he says, do you remember the Shire, Mr. Frodo? It'll be spring soon. 
and the orchards will be in blossom and the birds will be nesting in the hazel thicket and they'll be sowing the summer barley in the lower fields and eating the first of the strawberries with cream do you remember the taste of strawberries and Frodo can't this ring it's the wheel of fire it's all he can see and Sam says then let us be rid of it once and for all if you, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. I mean, come on. Ugh. All this stuff. Yeah. And there's more. Like, that's just scratching no. the surface of the spiritual depth that Tolkien brought. Yeah. Like, and just hammers us with in Return of the King. No, I think it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think that as we've gone deeper into these lists, I think it reflects something that I think for those who aren't a part of the faith i think sometimes when you're on on the outside looking in at faith or at christianity or whatnot i think that that you can look at christians and you can think there's an ignorance of the hard realities of life or they use faith as sort of this this buffer against you know these terrible things that happen and there's there's a sense that that there's a Pollyannish sense, I think, about faith right. that, that some people have. As I'm processing what faith means to me, it doesn't feel like that at all. I mean, it, it feels like there's something we understand how hard life can be. And we understand, I think, in some ways, the faith doesn't make it easier. In some ways, it makes it harder. You're walking this really difficult path. You're dealing with all the things that this fallen world can throw at us and yet there's a power there's a there's there's a hope beyond all that terribleness that that sort of propels us on and i you know i guess that that's that's the easter story in a nutshell right you know i think that that in the darkest of days there's still that hope there's still that 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 risen sun that we look forward to and i think that that's that's the power of faith. It's not an ignorance of the terrible things that happen. It's an understanding or a hope that in spite of all the terrible things that happen, we will have a new day. Yeah. And we don't have to respond in terrible kind. We can think about strawberries. We can think about strawberries in the Shire. There you go. What, what movies had the most profound impact on your faith? Whether it was on the nose, like the Jesus film, or a little bit off the beaten path, like in Glorious Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you never watched it. <laughs> Let us know on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Now it's time for the most least important thing, speed round part two. <laughs> Goodness. As Paul and I are wont to do, we've bloviated at length about movies and their Goodness faith. Me. It's almost time for lunch. You know, if if it was just about movies with car crashes, we would have been done in a couple of minutes. Because, yeah. you know, you hate cars. I hate cars, and so I say good riddance to bad rubbish. And <laughs> but you get Paul and I talking about faith and movies, oh and it just goes goodness. on forever. Blah 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 blah. But here it is, the most least important thing: the way we love to wrap up every single show. And and Paul, today I brought I brought a faith one with a faith element. Very good. You know, for our faith laden show, and that is the Instagram account at preachers 
and sneakers. I've heard about this. Yes, I just mentioned this to you the other day. Um, it, it its first post was on March eighteenth of two thousand nineteen, so it's a young account. It's just a, about a month in, but it's now got over one hundred and twenty five thousand followers wow. on Instagram because some guy in the south, a Christian guy, decided. You know what? It's kind of a funny thing, an odd thing that all these, some of these celebrity preachers have really expensive sneakers. <laughs> and so he started finding pictures of them preaching and then looking at those sneakers, finding how much they sell for, and then posting about it on Instagram. And he, he meant it as a joke with a, a slight, you know, bit of a Just satirical a bit of barb right, to it. Right. But it's, it's caused a lot of problems for these pastors and their churches. And because, now people are who weren't paying attention to their shoes are saying you're spending how much on your shoes? Like this guy Ron Carpenter wearing one thousand ninety nine dollar um, wow UNC like blue and white sneakers on stage as he's preaching, or um, you know what was my other favorite one here? This guy John Gray wearing $3,700 Air Yeezy 2s. Goodness gracious. I didn't even know. I don't think I've spent that much shoes in, in total in, a in lifetime. my life. Right. So anyways, it's a fascinating thing because it's it's now it's starting to get news coverage because it's really exploded over the last couple, like week or two. Um, and it's getting news coverage because people are like, whoa, this is funny or whoa, this is insane. And some pastors are upset about it and other pastors are having fun with it and commenting on the posts with, you know, calling themselves heretics and just sort of being self-effacing about it. And so it's a whole it's like it is it is the definition of the most least important thing, because depending on the person in the comment section, it is either the most important thing <laughs> or is really least important yeah. and they're just laughing about it. No, it, it I think it unpacks a whole bunch of really interesting issues in, in a very clever way, you know? Yeah. And and uh yeah, I could I could bloviate for a long time on a lot of that. But Preachers I'm gonna go on to sneakers. mine. What's your most least for important thing? So I had so many things that I wanted to bring to the table today. I wanted to talk about Hawkeye's new show that he's going to be getting on Netflix, which is kind of exciting. That's interesting. I wanted to talk about Amazing Grace, the amazing documentary of Aretha Franklin's record setting. You blogged about that gospel right? album. Yes, I go did. read Watching God on Pathos. You see, I don't hate music. I just don't I just don't well, dig modern music. Yeah, I was going to say, you just like old music. I like old music because yeah. I'm an old person. He's crotchety. Uh, I'm crotchety. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to just mention, just to say that this happened to me, I went to L.A. last weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, or last week for, uh, for a little film junket for a film called The Curse of La Yorna. La Yorna? Yes, it was... It was a really interesting movie. Quite scary. Jake, it's not really your thing. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, it's part of the It's in the Conjuring universe. universe. Exactly. Jinx. So you have, you know, spectral things, yeah. tacking yeah. kids. It's it's It has a lot of interesting spiritual elements. But, but the thing that excited me actually about going out there is that the junket, I, I got a chance to interview a lot of these stars on the back lot of Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it took place at night. The dub B. Yeah, it was. It was being a movie geek. 
it was kind of cool to walk around at night on the back lot with, you know, not as part of a tour. Right. But just getting to see, like, the rain. streets and to see this, you know, all of this history. This is where Casablanca was made. The, the place where we did the interviews it was called the Jungle Lot, and it's apparently where they filmed the Jurassic Park Tyrannosaurus Rex chase scene. There you go. So Objects was, and mirror may be closer than they appear. And it made me kind of wish that there was still a greater reliance on backlots for movies. All this location shooting, all this CGI, forget <laughs> about it. Do the backlot thing because it's just so cool. Because <laughs> then I can visit. <laughs> so anyway, I just I just want to tell to people that well, I did con- that. Congratulations. Paul. It is least la, important for any, everybody else. But la ayorna. You don't know how to say no, it. No, I have no idea. No, you don't. But hit him up on Twitter anyways. He's at AC Paul. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.